Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified, being praised of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today, we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In this study, Luke writes of Jesus' return to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And coming to his hometown of Nazareth, Jesus both read the word of God and spoke to the people from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And Dr. Mitchell discusses Jesus' exposition and application of the word of God by our Lord. And through this method, he later exposes the unbelief of the hometown people and, on the other hand, the faith of two Gentiles who lived outside of Israel. Well, Jesus then announces that he himself is at that very day and hour fulfilling this prophecy spoken and written by Isaiah. And this prophecy revealed the ministry of the Messiah, and Jesus is that Messiah. Dr. Mitchell shares that you and I can continue the ministry of our Lord even today. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. We continue our studies in the Gospel through Luke, and I again ask that you read this Gospel through as often as you can. In some way, uh, discipline yourself to read the Word of God every day. And it would be wonderful if you were to read this Gospel of Luke through over and over and over again. And even though I have read it many, many times, it's an amazing thing how you say truths that you thought you knew at all, and here you find you haven't even begun to scratch the surface yet of the truths that God has for us in his word. Amazing thing to me that we Christians do not know the Bible as we ought to know it. 
So I just pray that as we get into this gospel through Luke today, the Lord will speak to your heart, to my heart, and we're praying that the Lord Jesus may become so precious to you that you will fall in love with him. Now we're in the fourth chapter of the gospel through Luke, and we're reading from verse 14. And for those of you who are taking notes, as some of you are, I would like to mention that starting in at verse 14 of chapter 4 and running right through chapter 9, verse 50, we have our Lord in his Galilean ministry. Uh, we have seen him at his birth in chapter 1 and 2. We've seen him in his growth, in his baptism, and in his temptations. Now we're going to see him in his ministry, both in teaching the word of God and in meeting the needs of people. And you can't help but realize it as we read this from chapter 4 on, uh, how the Lord ministers with compassion, with tenderness to human hearts. And may I say, he's doing that today. The Lord is always full of grace and truth and is always ready to meet the need of any hungry heart. God means business, and the question is, do we mean business? For those of you who've never accepted the Savior, do you really want to know God? Do you really mean business? And I'm sure that the Lord himself will make himself real to any heart It means business. Now, the first thing under his Galilean ministry is our Lord ministering in Nazareth, starting in at verse 14. He's going to start in his hometown of Nazareth, and here you find him teaching and ministering to the people. In verse 14, right following his temptation by the adversary in the wilderness, we read, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified all, and being praised of all. You'll notice that there's a, quite a break between uh, verse 13 and 14. He's been in the wilderness, he's been tested, uh, by Satan, and he comes through victorious. And it just seems as if there was a, a break in these two verses that the Lord must have spent some time ministering and very little said about it. You remember the chapter starts, the Lord was full of the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit, and after his, his temptation, he is returned. He returns in the power of the Spirit, and he comes into Galilee. And there went a fame of him throughout all the region round about. In other words, he, there became a rumor. In other words, he began to be, to be made known through the whole area because of his teaching and because of the ministry which he had with precious people. And I read here in verse 15, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Now from verse 16 right down through verse 21, you have our Lord here in the, in the synagogue ministering the word of God. Or if I may use a different term, he, he expounded the word of God. Verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Let me just stop here for a few moments. I hear our Lord, apparently his custom was to go into the synagogue. He had been there before. This is quite, quite common. When the people wanted to offer sacrifices, they went to Jerusalem to the temple. Sacrifices were not offered in the synagogue. Synagogues, wherever there were 12, 12 men, they could start a synagogue. That's why when the Apostle Paul went out in his missionary journeys, he came to a city. If there was a synagogue of the Jews, he would go there. If there was no synagogue, like at Philippi, there was no synagogue because there were not 12, 12 Jewish men. It takes 12 Jewish men to start a synagogue. And all over Galilee, you have these synagogues. Now, Galilee, by the way, was a very fruitful, uh, busy, commercial part of Palestine, and more so than Judea. And there were hundreds of thousands of people who lived in Galilee during the time of our Lord. These towns were uh, not small, not two or three hundred, mostly 10, 12, 14, 20,000 to a town. And uh, our Lord was raised in Nazareth, as you know, and he was a carpenter. I was there until he was 30 years of age. And after he was baptized by John and went, led by the Spirit of God to be tempted of the devil, and coming forth victorious, he began his ministry of teaching and of ministering to people. Then he came into the synagogue, and I say this was a common thing. In the synagogue, someone would get up to read from the Torah, from the law, and then someone else would read the daily reading for the prophets. Now the Lord stood up and came to uh, the reading of the prophets. The Lord Jesus stood up and the scroll was handed to him. And he began to read from the prophet Isaiah. In verse 18, he could say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted uh, to give, preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, uh, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and then he closed the Scriptures. Now you think about this, because when you go to Isaiah 61, from which he is quoting, you'll notice he stops in the very middle of a verse. And the following, of the, the following part of the verse gives to us uh, the judgment of God, the Lord coming in wrath and judgment upon the nations. Of course, this was not the time for that. So he started in his own hometown and began to minister the word of God. And in verses 18 down through 21, you have his exposition of this portion. Now notice what it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is his ministry. He defines his ministry. And may I suggest to you today, this is also our ministry. This is the ministry of every Christian. 
And our Lord did this in the power of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was upon him to do a particular job. And the Spirit of God can be upon you and me to do the same work. You remember in the book of Acts chapter 1, where Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until he was taken away. Our Lord began a ministry, and it's to be continued by you and me. Now let me read this verse, verse 18. I'd like to spend a moment here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, what for? To preach the gospel to the poor. You can do that, to bring glad tidings to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. Now this is not in Isaiah. But if we read it, to heal the brokenhearted. Who has a message for brokenhearted people? But the Savior and those who are in him? The world has no message for a brokenhearted woman or a brokenhearted man. I sometimes wonder if we Christians are not missing a real ministry toward people. There are many, many people today who are brokenhearted. They're crushed because of various experiences or, or problems or afflictions or sorrows or misunderstandings. There are a great many people who need that compassion, that tenderness that comes from those who are in touch with the Savior. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to preach deliverance to the captives. Our country is full of captives. You see, Mr. Mitchell, we don't have any captives in America. Yes, we do. And I'm telling you, it's more than being a captive in a jail or a penitentiary or in some other place. Oh, how many billions of people there are in America, for example, and needless to say throughout the world who have been taken, Satan has taken them captive at his will. They're in the bondage of sin. They're slaves to habits, slaves to sin as plain slaves. And some men have tried and tried and tried to get free from their slavery. And everything they do, they're not cleared. You know, it's a wonderful thing that you and I have a message to give to sinners, to those who have been captivated by the devil, who have been captivated by sin, lust, and what have you. And God has given to you and to me a message to give deliverance to the captives. This is what the word Savior means. Our Lord is the great deliverer. You remember in chapter 8 of John, he said, if you, if you don't believe who I am, you'll die in your sins. But if a man keep my saying, he will live forever. Even death. A man can be delivered from the bondage, fear of death, through our Savior. He's the great deliverer from sin. And he's the great deliverer from the powers of hell. And he's the great deliverer from the world, from death, and all its fear. And you and I have a message to give. Good news from God that sinners can be transformed. Men and women can be delivered. I tell you, my friend, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be ministering the word of God. Oh, how glad I am when I think of the thousands who have come to know the Savior and their whole lives have been transformed, delivered, in some cases from some Terrible, terrible things. Jesus is a real Savior. And he came into the world to save men, to deliver men from their sin. And then you notice, 
not only to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives, but the recovery of sight to the blind. Now, don't, do not read in that physical blindness. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I read, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Satan blinds the minds of people, especially those who are unbelievers. The Apostle Paul could say in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 18, that the Lord has called him, what for? To open eyes, to open eyes, to turn men from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Satan blinds the minds of people. We are to open their eyes. How is it going to be done? Allow me to give you another scripture. In John chapter 16, Verses 8 to 11. Our Lord said, When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now that word convict is a remarkable word. It means to convince. It means to illuminate. For example, sometimes people say, That man's under the conviction of sin. Now, what you really meant was the Spirit of God has illuminated his mind to his condition. This is the work of the Spirit of God, to illuminate minds. But how is he going to do it? The Spirit of God uses the man of God as he uses the Word of God. So as the Word of God is given, and as the psalmist says, the 119th Psalm, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Men are in darkness. And Satan is going to see it to it that they stay in darkness. And only Christ can set you free. But he uses you and me. And our Lord here says he came to open blind eyes. Now it's true. Don't misunderstand me. It's true that our Lord opened the eyes of men who were blind. In fact, there are three cases, if I remember correctly, in the Gospels, where he opened the eyes of one man and he saw men as trees walking. And another one, old blind Bartimaeus, when he said, Bartimaeus said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, What do you want? I want you to open my eyes. And the Lord touched him, and his eyes were open. And that was in, that's in Luke, by the way, chapter, chapter 18. And then when you come down to chapter uh, 9 of the Gospel through John, you have a man who was born blind. And the Lord Jesus didn't touch him. The Lord just had made some clay put it in his eyes and said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he obeyed, he went and he washed, and he came back seeing. So you have three cases of eyes that have been opened. But what's your job and my job? To open the eyes of men who've been blinded by Satan. It's a far more important thing than physical eyes. And I believe that when the Lord, when the Lord Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give deliverance to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. He's not dealing there with the physical. He's dealing with the moral and with the spiritual. So what you have here in verse, in verse 18, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And believe me, my friend, there are a great many bruised people today. 
Oh, that we Christians might realize that we have a message for hearts that are bruised, hearts that are broken, eyes that are blind, slaves needing to be set free. And the same Spirit of God, and I say this reverently, the same Spirit of God that was upon our Lord without measure is also in and upon his people. And the more I yield myself to the Lord, the more I'm usable in the hands of the Spirit of God of bringing this message of deliverance to men and women who are dead in trespasses and sins. Friend, if I'm talking to you today and you have never accepted the Savior and you're bound by the shackles of sin, whether you believe it or know it or not, neither here nor there, if you're out of Christ, you're a child of wrath and you need to be delivered. It's a wonderful thing. Even though the wages of sin is death, our Lord has come to put away your sin and he comes that you might be the recipient of eternal life, become the child of the living God. That's why our Lord came. He wants you to be set free. Then one more thing in verse 19, he came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. You know, there's a verse over in John chapter 14, verse 12. And for you who are Bible students, I wish you might take the 12th verse of the 14th chapter of John and compare it with the 18th verse of Luke chapter 4. Now that verse in, in John chapter 14, if I might read, quote, verse 11, when Jesus said, Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And I believe that Luke chapter 4, verse 18, uh, is, the, is that which we should follow. These are his works. This is his ministry. He said, well, what about the miracles? The miracles were his credentials as to his person, as to his calling, as to his messiahship. In fact, I would suggest to you for your thinking, do you know of anybody who has ever performed the miracles that our Lord did? Now, it's true. We have seen people healed. We have seen the Lord do marvelous things in answer to prayer. But I don't know anyone from the apostles down. I don't know anyone who has stilled the storms, has had power over nature, that has fed the hungry on five loaves and two fishes that has turned water into wine. Oh, my friend, this is the act of the Son of God, the Messiah, see. But I'm sure that verse 18 of Luke 4 is for you and for me. If I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, then I thoroughly believe that I have a ministry and that you have a ministry. It's not a question of greatness. It's a question of faithfulness to him. And oh, dear, dear man or woman, you can bring comfort, you can bring peace to so many people. You say, why does the Lord leave me down here? You're surrounded by people in need, some who are brokenhearted, uh, some who are bound by the chains of sin, some whose minds and eyes have been blinded by Satan. Many have been bruised because of the roughness of the path. And you, my friend, can continue the ministry our Lord started and manifest that tenderness and that compassion that will bring people to the Savior. They may experience his delivering power, his love, his grace, 
and his compassion. And may the Lord bless you today and may be glorified in you and in me for his name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary.